Listening to the Locked On Broncos podcast, hosted by Cody Rourke, your daily Broncos podcast. For Mock Draft Monday, we dive into two listeners' mock drafts that they sent in our way. We analyze them, we critique them, plus we dive into what Broncos fans hope the Broncos can change going into 2021. Welcome back into a brand new episode, Lockdown Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast here on the Lockdown NFL Network, your team every day from the South Stands to the end zone. I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke, Senior NFL Analyst at Pro Football Network and Broncos Insider for the Lockdown NFL Network. You can follow me on Twitter at Cody Rourke NFL. Follow the podcast. Podcast at Locked On Broncos. Make sure you like us on Facebook as well. And in the meantime, if you're not yet a listener, a follower of the show, make sure you guys hit that follow button on your favorite podcast provider: Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and the new Odyssey app, A U D A C Y, in your favorite app store. Today's episode of the show, folks, is brought to you by our good friends over there, Built Bar. You can go to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. But with that said, ladies and gentlemen, hope you guys had an amazing weekend. The weather in Colorado is getting nicer. It's getting hotter. It's nice. It's barbecue weather. It's grill weather. I had a very fun week and hope you and your family had a very safe Easter weekend as well. This is a very crucial next couple of weeks here around the National Football League. Also here for the podcast. Now, while there's not much news going on with the Broncos as it stands right now, outside of them attending pro days, the organization, they are in full-on draft mode right now. And so for the next couple of weeks, I really want to encourage listeners of the show, be careful what you see on Twitter, right? There's a lot of rumors around this time, a lot of smokescreen that's being put out, and some organizations use media members to put out some misinformation, some smokescreen to kind of confuse other teams. So be very, very careful in the rumors that you see. Don't believe everything that you see, right? Always caution in that this is draft season. There are a lot of rumors, a lot of rumblings out there that we all have to be aware of, folks. But it is Mock Draft Monday here on the Locked On Broncos podcast. Instead of me doing a mock draft, I decided to switch things up a little bit. I let the listeners of the show be the GM. And, you know, going through all the mock drafts that were sent to me, have had like seven or eight of them. I have to pick two of them. And I'm going to get in with at C Keith one first and foremost. I'm going to go over his explanation. He says, okay, Cody. So at pick number nine, I traded back with New England for pick number 15 and a 2022 first round pick. And at pick 15, I traded with the Lions for two 2022 first round picks. And my thinking is roll with Drew Locke, see if he makes the jump. And if he does not, then use that capital next year to grab a quarterback. I like the mentioning. I like the, the thought process here. And it drops the Broncos because of these trades and acquiring these first-round picks. The Broncos don't have a selection in C. Keith's mock draft. He'll pick number 40, and he selects Zayvon Collins, linebacker out of Tulsa. Not a bad selection there, especially if you're going to be getting three first-round picks next year. You have to like the advantage there. I don't know if Devers going to do that in real life, but then again, you never know. In the day and age of the National Football League, we see a lot of these trades happen. Denver could look to trade back and they could load up the war chest for uh, future drafts and obviously next year. And so you're taking a gamble on Drew Locke once again. The second uh, selection here, round number three, Javon Holland, safety out of Oregon. And a lot of people are deeming him as potentially between he and Richie Grant. A lot of people are talking about safety one. I mean, I think there's a three safety debate. I think a lot of people are talking about Javon Holland, Javon Morig out of TCU. And they're also talking about Richie Grant. Richie Grant's very exciting player as well. So I'm not sure if he was available here. Jalen Mayfield is the 72nd overall selection right after pick number 71 and the offensive tackle out of Michigan. Not sure he's going to come in to be a starter, but obviously tackle depth is good. 
Trey Sermon at pick 114. Shakur Brown, cornerback out of Michigan State, at pick 152. And Trey Brown, another cornerback with pick number 191. I don't know if I would have a cornerback there back-to-back. I understand the need for that depth there. Devers got some pretty solid depth as is, and obviously that depth does pertain to the health of some players coming back from their ACL injuries, you know, relatively healthy. And, and it's going to be hard to determine what that's going to be like right here on April 5th. And then pick number 237, Mustafa Johnson, a Colorado kid staying on the interior of that defensive line, staying in Colorado. Tight end, Kerry Angeline out of North Carolina State. And then edge rusher, Wyatt Hubert in the seventh round with the selection. Obviously, the acquisition of three first-round picks. So, Denver could use that. Not a bad draft, honestly. You know, if you're going to acquire, I think, three first-round picks, you're always going to love that. But at the end of the day, I don't know if Denver's going to be positioned to do this, but I do like the thinking there, CK. Thank you for your mock draft. Ryan M5292 is our second mock draft, and his selection pans in Penny Sewell, offensive tackle for Oregon at pick number nine. Now, here's the deal. I think that with Penny Sewell, he is a very prolific player, and his testing numbers at, the, at his pro day were phenomenal. He's a strong guy. He's agile. His athleticism is there. You can see it, and, he, and like I mentioned, did I mention he was physically strong? Yes, he is. So he falls to the Broncos here at nine. Really surprised that Cincinnati here in this draft did not take him. Then the Broncos, they acquired an additional pick. They acquired pick number 30 here, and it has Mac Jones going to Denver out of Alabama. Interesting. I'm not sure why he fell that far. This is obviously Pro Football Focus's mock draft simulator. I don't believe that he's going to drop as far as 30. I think he's going to go top 15. I do like the pick, though. Pick 71, Paris Ford. Safety uh, out of Pittsburgh. Really like him. He's a thumper. He and obviously Damar Hamlin. That's a good safety duo there at Pitt. Monty Rice, linebacker out of Georgia at pick 114. Josh Myers, center out of Ohio State at pick 152. Not sure why... Not sure why the Broncos will go with the center here. I mean, obviously, maybe outside of depth, but they have Austin Schlotman on roster for that depth right now at the center position. Graham Glasgow could play it as well, so I'm not quite sure about the center pick here. C.J. Verdell running back out of Oregon. You know, I like my Oregon tailbacks. He's not a bad player, too. He might be one of those little under-the-radar type backs in this year's draft. But then again, I don't know where his stock is in this year's draft altogether. So, C.J. Verdell, nice little pickup there. He's graded as a B-plus according to Pro Football Focus. We'll see about that. Trevon Grimes, wide receiver out of Florida at 237. Another seventh-round pick. Jonathan Marshall, interior D lineman out of Arkansas. So, obviously, reuniting him with his buddy, McTelvin Ajim. And then Tristan Hoge, guard out of BYU at pick number 253. These are interesting ones. I don't know if Denver needs that many offensive linemen. I don't know about the depth as well, especially when you factor in Atani Muti as a guard player for the Broncos. I just don't see that being there. So interesting. I like the fact that the Broncos, they got Penny Sewell. I like Paris Ford. I even like the Monty Rice uh, signing there, the, the draft selection. But overall, I, d- I don't know. I don't know if that was my uh, the mock draft that I would have went with, my man. But Ryan, Thank you so much, my man, for sending that in. Broncos country, obviously a big part of our uh, tradition here on Monday is Mock Draft Monday, so we're going to continue to dice things up as the NFL draft is approaching us at the end of this month. We're going to continue our conversation on the Broncos coming up here in just a moment. But before we do that, folks, i got to tell you guys about one of the sponsors of today's episode of the show. That's our good friends over there, BetOnline.ag. And BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Now, football season may be over, but the NBA and NHL and the MLB are now in full swing. And BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, the scores, and the odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 
And as we get into our conversation here today about what Broncos fans hope to see change in 2021, I got to tell you guys about another podcast you guys need to add to your lineup and you can get all the sports news that you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I really enjoy what Peter's doing there. I also listen to Locked On Nuggets, hosted by Adam Matas and Matt Moore. The Denver Nuggets played the Orlando Magic last night at Ball Arena. Did they come out on top with a big victory? Were they able to stay undefeated since the acquisition of Aaron Gordon? Check out Locked On Nuggets today, but Broncos country. Let's get into our conversation conversation here on today's episode of the show. This is the big focal point here. I posed the question to Broncos country. What is the biggest change that you hope to see with the Broncos this year? And we had a lot of great responses from Twitter. I'm going to try to get through as many as I can here today, but each one, I want to offer my own analysis to what you guys have provided you guys and gals. So here we're going to get into Uganda's joy zero one. And she says identity for the offense. Now here's the deal. When we define identity. Identity means who we are, right? So if we're talking about the offense, who is the offense? What makes the offense what it is? I don't think that we saw the Broncos offense last season really have an identity under Pat Shermer's offense. I think that with all the injuries, with the inconsistencies in the lineups from week to week, I don't think that the team ever really had an ample opportunity to establish an identity for themselves. Now, for me personally, as an analyst, what I would like to see the identity of the offense be, I would love to see them have a, a 50-50 balance style or run pass, right? You never want to be too run heavy unless you absolutely are gashing people week in and week out. You're the top rushing attack. You've got to be balanced there. Now, sometimes I think it, it, for the Broncos at the beginning part of the season, I felt like they were such a pass-happy offense. They were going out, they were trying to pass, they were opening up games, taking shots downfield, and not getting the run game going. That was an issue for them then. Then they would come out and they'd run the game to start some games. They wouldn't open up the passing game till probably midway in the uh, you know the first quarter or maybe sometimes even in the second quarter. So how do you find a consistent, balanced identity for what you want to do? I think the fact that the NFL has said that OTAs are possible this year, I think it will give organizations, I think it will give the Broncos, Pat Shermer, and this young offense, I think it gives them the ample opportunity to go in and to go back and install and to do this work, to, to spend that time in the classroom rather than on Zoom, drawing it up with their position coaches, talking about it. Then they get to go out on the field and they get to execute it. And obviously still the social distancing guidelines will be in effect. I know that it, a lot of it depends on who's been vaccinated as well. That's going to change the NFL draft rules uh, this year as well for organizations in their war rooms. But yes, I think that an identity for the offense is something that needs to be established here this season. And if they go into another season and it's all, you know, let's say it's towards the second half of the year and they still don't have an identity in offense, then I'm concerned about where the team is going, right? Where the offense is going. And they may have to make a change of coordinator. It could happen in season. I, I doubt that's going to be the case. But if that's what happens and the offense can't establish their identity, it's going to be uh, very rough. It's going to be very ugly. Then we're going to get to Lil Blue Cheese. Better, consistent quarterback play. And look, I, I do agree with that there. Now, here's the deal. I think that there needs to be better, consistent play by the entire team, not just specifically to one position, right? Because there were games where Drew Locke or whoever's that quarterback was playing relatively well. And then sometimes the defense would struggle. Sometimes receivers would struggle. Sometimes the old line would struggle. Sometimes the running backs or the linebackers would struggle. The team has to be better and consistent as a whole, not just one position. Quarterback needs to obviously be an area where they take the next step and they play better this year, but it's got to be the whole entire team. Greg Hunt is up next. He says, offensive fluidity and smash mouth defense and minimal injuries in all caps. 
Look, I think that with the Broncos, what many teams dealt with last year around the NFL, that was an issue. Just injuries, it, it derailed a lot of teams' hopes and dreams and really threw off the San Francisco 49ers who the previous year they attended the Super Bowl and all of a sudden they come back and, bam, they don't even make it. They, they suffer all these major injuries to major players and then they just sputter out there. Regardless of how good of a coach Kyle Shanahan was, you saw that in San Francisco. I think that for Denver, despite the fact that they had all those injuries, they played better than they should have considering the circumstances. Now, for you, I think the smash-mouth defense part is there. I think that Denver, with everybody back, every major player, and if guys stay healthy, they do have a smash-mouth defense on paper. they got to go out there. they got to execute, obviously. But offensive fluidity has to be something that they also take advantage of. Now, here's the deal. With this offseason being much more improved than last offseason, there should be no excuses come week one. It may take a couple of weeks for the Broncos to really get going. It may take them like maybe three to five weeks to really figure out, okay, here's, what, here's our rhythm on offense. But in terms of fluidity, it, it, even in those first couple of weeks, as you're still trying to figure things out, you're still trying to get on the same page, get everything down, maybe add some new stuff in for from the playbook, you have to be on the same page. You could have 10 guys do their job correctly, but one guy doesn't. One guy misses his blocking assignment. One guy doesn't run his route the right way. Quarterback doesn't make the right read. It can absolutely just derail what you want to do offensively. So I agree with you. Fluidity is absolutely important for this Broncos offense in 2021. Gary M. Pickren is up next, and he says, an offense that has evolved into the next generation of offensive play calling. Old school doesn't work anymore, or else it wouldn't be considered old school. Uh, I'm going to vent out louder here. This isn't about you, Gary, or your response, but I do want to talk about the ideology between old school versus new school. When I think of old school, old school offense was smash mouth, running the football down your throat, and a simplified passing play. Playbook, right? You'd see the outs, you'd see the slants, you'd see the flats, you'd see the arrow routes, and then you see obviously your vertical concepts. A lot of people want this high octane, up tempo, no huddle style of offense that, you know, it's empty, it's spread, it's three by one, and you're you're doing all these different route concepts, sits, vertical routes, you have speed. Denver, I think, has the personnel to really open that up, but I don't necessarily believe that running the offense that the Broncos run now, especially a West Coast style of offense. I don't necessarily believe it's completely old school. It has a ton of new school concepts, right? The different route concepts against different coverages. I, I don't know where that, that thought process comes from or even the term old school. Like if they came out and they just ran simply out of eye formation every single play, that's old school. Right, that stuff doesn't work anymore. You know, a lot of what you see is this power smash mouth running style of play, and you have to be able to do it. A lot of people think that old school means that you have to be able to, you know, you can't throw the ball. Here's the deal. You can still throw the ball. You can still run the ball in a relative manner out of a West Coast style of offense. You don't have to be empty to do all these flashy things to have a good offense. I think that's where a lot of people get confused. Now, you have to have the personnel to do so. And like I said, I think Denver has the personnel. They can do that. But I also think that they're in a decent position in this offense with the playbook that is to do things. It's all about execution. It's about consistency. And Denver hasn't had that in, in quite some time. I'd say that it varied. I mean, there would be one week that they would get it going. Then the next week, they would just look like a completely different team. Or sometimes it would take them a half to get going. You can't do that. You can't put yourself in a hole for two quarters and all of a sudden try to come back with two quarters left and try to start playing your best football. That's where preparation, that's where practice comes in. And obviously this year was really different because everything was really virtual from the onset of meetings and then practice obviously was physical but outside of that what could you really do there it was it was tough and I've talked to several players around the NFL several Broncos players as, as well and the one thing that I was told by some players that just practice was different because it wasn't the same in terms of being able to really be close in the huddle right you have to 
obviously adhere to social distancing guidelines. You had to do that last season. And so a lot of times you're getting a play call, you're just lining up. It's a little different, I think, once things start to normal out a little bit, which it looks like we're heading that way. Paul80026 says, be healthy. Hey, I think that'd be huge for the Broncos. John Williams says, less turnovers on offense, especially by QB1. Better usage and understanding of clock management and timeout usage by the head coach. I, you know, I think that's fair, John. I think that obviously you think for the offense, you have to find a way to protect the football. It, it comes down to your decision making, right? Now, for example, if you're dropping back to pass and all of a sudden this you know pass rusher comes out of nowhere because you're tackled or your interior guard misses a block and they absolutely club you and you fumble the ball. I mean, I'm not going to blame the quarterback necessarily for that, right? But in terms of interceptions and poor ball decision-making and ball placement, yes, that's on the QB. Now, in terms of better usage and understanding of clock management and timeout usage by the head coach, that was something that affected Vic. And there is a possibility that Ed Donatel calls defensive plays this year. But Vic, as a head coach, you have to not get so focused on one side of the ball. And I'd say at times, that is something that came in to the mix and it hurt the Broncos. But you also have to factor into it. Everybody wants to talk about the Raiders game where the Broncos called a timeout. It's all about personnel groupings. Who they run onto the field, you have to match that. And so what you guys don't understand, what not a lot of people understand, I want to say that you don't understand that, but what not a lot of people understand about football, especially in goal line situations, there are different sub packages that you have to have based on personnel. So for the Raiders, they came out showing a different personnel. So Denver had that personnel group out there. The Raiders, they charted out a different group out there. Denver didn't have their necessary group out there as well. And that's why they had to call that timeout. Now I know that, oh my God, Vic Fangio called the timeout. He gave them the opportunity. I get the frustration there, but you have to understand those are things that have to be better by everyone, not just the head coach. It also is on the position coaches. It's the assistant coaches to make sure that they have it. It's up to the guys in the box to say, hey, they've got three wide receivers out here. You know, if they got one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers, that is 11 personnel. But yes, that's up to the coaches up in the box to be able to get that down as well well. So in terms of clock management and timeout usage, it's not just a head coach thing. It's a position coach. It's a player thing. It's everybody. That that accountability goes to everybody. And often at times it just gets solely placed in terms of blame on the head coach. But Broncos Country coming up here in just a moment. We're going to continue with our responses that we received from Broncos Country. But before we do that, folks, I got to tell you guys about the other sponsor of today's episode of the show, folks. And that's our good friends over there at Built Bar. And Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar out there. I've told you a million times that improved Built Bar is even more delicious than ever before. It features 18 amazing flavors. And some of the six new flavors it feature caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Built Bars, they're covered in 100% chocolate and they're soft and they're also easy to chew. Plus, Built Bars are healthy. They're great for those who are health conscious like me. It helps me lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat in my day-to-day grind. And the bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber, folks. And I want you to get your hands on a box of Built Bar today by going to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order by using promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. It's April and the Locked On NFL Network of Podcasts is shifting into draft mode April 19th through the 23rd for the ultimate 2021 mock draft featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Brian Baldinger, and Michael Lombardi. Find out who trades up 
who trades back, and who selects the next young star. Stay tuned for more info about where you can find the ultimate 2021 mock draft here on the Lockdown Podcast Network of Broncos Country. Let's continue on with our discussion here. What is the biggest change that Broncos fans hope to see? We've heard a lot of talk about better decision-making by the quarterback, coaching, obviously making better decisions and utilization of clock management and timeouts, offensive line play, injuries. Mad Sports fan says offensive line gels, and I think that for the offensive line to gel, guys got to stay healthy. Look, now Jawan James is slated to be that right tackle for Denver on opening day in September, week one kickoff. Right guard is supposed to be Graham Glasgow center, Lloyd Cushenberry entering the second year, Dalton Reisner entering year number three, and then Garrett Bowles coming off of the extension in a very strong year, an all-pro type season for him, a pro bowl season for him. He got that recognition. He's coming back. The old line, if those guys can stay healthy, I think that they'll gel, and I think it'll help out in terms of the running back. I think it'll help out in terms of quarterback. But when you have a revolving door of players that are, you know, can't stay healthy, that are injured, you're going to run into that situation where the offense doesn't always play that well. They don't play consistent enough. That's what we saw last season. Doug Oliver says Pat Shermer needs to cater to Drew Locke's strengths and Melvin Gordon's. Well, here's the deal. We, we talk about cater to their strengths. Well, what is Drew Locke's strength right now as a QB, right? He's got a massive arm. He's got the, the phenomenal arm talent. I don't think that you want to cater to that necessarily. I think that for Drew Locke, I think if you can implement a quick passing attack, a quick passing approach, especially when you play teams that are running zone coverage, where's the soft spot? If I'm going against a cover three, I'm eyeing where that nickel guy is at because more than likely he's playing that curl to flat. The corner's going to be playing deep third. Safety's going to be playing that deep third, the middle third. Other corner's going to be doing that. And then you have your inside backers. They're playing that hook to curl area. Where's the soft spot? If I'm running a slack concept with the number one wide receiver on the outside, I'm king to see see where that nickel guy goes. Does he cheat inside with the slant? If he cheats inside with the slant, I'm throwing the out route or I'm throwing the flat route really to the flats to my tight end or to my number two wide receiver and then hoping he can get upfield as that cornerback's going to come up and rally to try to tackle. I think that Shermer, for the most part, when I went back and I, I watched the offense again and I got through my week 17 just last week of watching the entire games on all 22 the thing that I noticed, too, is, is that Pat Schirmer opened things up for Drew Locke. We saw quick passing. We saw throws across the middle of the field. We saw him taking advantage of trying to utilize his arm talent, which I think that that's okay. I think that you need to do that. However, there's a fine line between, I think, being too dangerous and playing to his strengths. And I think for Drew Locke, it really comes down to his decision-making. He made a couple of poor decisions down the stretch towards the end of the season that really impacted that. But down the stretch, we saw Pat Shermer really open things up for Drew Locke and I think also for Melvin Gordon as well. Nezzy1909 says, Better red zone offense. I'm confident in the defense. Last year proved Fangio's ability to work wonders with third and fourth string guys. It should be much better this year. I think if the Broncos can turn more of those threes into sevens, will be much more improved. I hope Schirmer can get the O executing better in year two. And that's the hope, right? Because when the Broncos decided to fire Rich Scangerillo, they felt that Pat Schirmer coming in could help improve that. Now, in terms of points per game, Denver did improve. But it didn't matter what you did last year. It's what you do this year. And it's about where you rank this year. And Denver, unfortunately, still ranked bottom in the NFL. They are bottom 10 in almost every offensive major category. And about four or five of those offensive categories, they were ranked near dead last, either dead last or 30th or 29th in the NFL. So you have to take those necessary strides. Each year is different. But I want to see Denver offensively take some of those rankings, take some of those areas where they were bottom of the NFL. And if you can improve that to 15th, if you can improve that even some categories to top 10, 
it's going to help balance out maybe some of the ebbs and flows that you're going to experience as a second-year young offensive team. But it definitely has to take the next step. And I agree. In the red zone, that's where the Broncos have to be completely better. At CYGNUS27, he says, Honestly, more scoring from the offense. I think that the defense that the Broncos have now, they could slow down most offenses in the league when healthy. I think that's a very fair statement to make as well. I really do. I think that Denver has figured things out defensively. We saw them play really well against Kansas City. It was really tough watching them against that Buffalo Bills team because there were times where the Broncos defensively, they were doing a good job. Then there was a penalty. I mean, there were a couple times going back to that Buffalo game where Devontae Bosby was called for, I think, a, a very ticky-tacky uh, contact play on a receiver. He goes to to make a play, brings his ball side hand around after securing the hip to knock the football away, and they call illegal contact and extended drives. That was a killer in that game. I'll never forget how frustrating that was. I can only imagine just the coach in me was like, oh my, you know, the defense, they're getting stops. And then all of a sudden, drives are being extended due to a penalty. You know, you get an offsides call. You jump. You get the encroachment. I mean, those things right there hurt the Broncos. And if they could be better, yeah, I think that they can compete with most of the offenses here in the NFL from a defensive standpoint. But they have to be able to match that on offense. Brian77G says, Drew, I'm rooting for Drew to take that next step. Absolutely. And I think that I think that if you're a Broncos fan if look if Drew Locke's going to get the opportunity to be the quarterback and if he is that guy if he is the quarterback week one you have to root for him to take that step right I understand that we live in a time where you know somebody's not playing well they're not the answer okay that's that's fair I completely understand that but you don't want to actively root for a player to fail. And there's some people on social media that actively root for him to fail and for the Broncos to suck because of him just to prove that they were right. When did fandom become about that? You know, when I talk with Broncos fans, a lot of them, and this is a majority, I wouldn't say I don't want to just focus on these negative Nancys, but I'd say a majority of fans say, look, I just want the team to be successful. I want the quarterback to play better. I just want them all to succeed. There's nothing wrong with that, right? But actively rooting for somebody to fail is never the answer. And I've never understood that about Broncos country when it comes to quarterbacks. Yeatstone DB says efficiency and consistency on offense and know the defense will do their thing when we're actually giving them breathers and putting points on the board. And that's a great point that you make too because there were so many times last season where Denver defensively, they would do their job. Let's say that there was a long drive, like an eight, nine minute drive that the Broncos defense sustained, right? And they got to the red zone, Denver held up and they forced maybe a turnover or they first uh, forced a turnover on downs or they forced the missed field goal. The offense has to go out there and they got to capitalize. When the offense goes three and out within one minute and 30 seconds or less, that defense hasn't had much time to breathe. Because what happens is the moment that those defensive players come off the field, they're going to the bench, they're going to get oxygen, they're going to get water, and they have to sit there with their position coaches or even the defensive coordinator as they look at some of the offensive pictures from the other team that's coming down. They have to figure out, okay, what do we adjust to? How do we adjust to this? When that happens in a minute and 30 seconds and you're already having to go back on the field, you're not going to make those necessary adjustments. You're putting your defense in a rough situation. So that right there, my friend, I agree. That's where the offense has to get better. They have to be able to control the tempo, and they got to be able to keep the defense off the field to get a breather when the defense does reward them. They have to capitalize on it. I think that's a phenomenal insight there. But Broncos country, thank you so much for your input on what you believe. The biggest change you hope to see with the Broncos will be in 2021. I appreciate your insight. If you love today's episode of the show, if you're a new listener of the podcast, you love getting through today's episode, Make sure you go to your favorite podcast provider and follow us for daily exclusive Denver Broncos news, content, and coverage. We are here for you all year long, five days a week, all year long. Broncos coverage brought to you in 30 minutes or less. And with that said, too, if you're also on Apple Podcasts, if you love the show, it would mean the absolute world to me if you could go to Apple Podcasts and write a review. Leave us a five-star review if you love us and tell us why you tune in 
every single day. But with that said, Broncos country, I'm Cody Rourke, host of Lockdown Broncos. Tomorrow is Twitter Tuesday, and you can send me your Broncos questions on Twitter, at Cody Rourke NFL, and I will answer them on tomorrow's episode of the show. But with that said, Broncos country, have a good rest of your day or evening or morning, wherever you're at, whatever time frame is at, and I will see you tomorrow.